everybody. Uh, great uh, for you tuning in. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, we've had some good news this week. Sounds like things might be ramping back up in our economy and opening up um, things for us here in the next several weeks. So that's a, that's a good thing. And hopefully, uh, Lord willing, that'll happen and things will continue to happen and we'll be able to begin meeting together sometime here in the next several weeks. This, this time of uh, social distancing has been kind of an interesting thing. I don't know how you guys have um, gone through it, but I know for myself, just a bunch of different emotions and some frustrations and trying to figure everything out. And, uh, one of the interesting things is I've had conversations with some different people, and uh, they've been taking this time, which I think this is a great idea, they've been taking this time to you know, kind of reevaluate what life's all about, um, what their relationship with God is like, uh, why they're doing what they're doing, uh, and why they're doing what they're doing. And I think it's a great thing for us to do. And I think I would encourage each of us, especially as um, you know, things are going to start getting ramped, ramped back up, to maybe take that time here in these next several weeks when we're still in the stay-at-home mode to, uh, to really evaluate, to look at where we're at in our lives, What's the future look like? How are we going to handle future situations like this or just really any uncertainties and circumstances that go on in our lives? In fact, one of the things we've been talking about in our uh, pastor's meetings is kind of how do we, how do we move um, out of this time? How do we get ready now for what the future has for us? Again, knowing that we're going to have uncertainties in our lives. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to spend a few weeks in uh, the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the, the church in Philippi. And we're calling the series Isolated But Not Alone. So go ahead and turn to uh, Philippians. We're going to look at chapter 1 today. And uh, again, there's a lot in this chapter, so we can't really dig down deep uh, in 35 minutes or so. Uh, so we're going to kind of take a 5,000-foot view. And then hopefully you'll take the time uh, in this week to, to work through it again, to read through it, and to take to heart maybe some of the takeaways that we're having. Paul was a guy who was, um, I guess you could say, was kind of um, used to being isolated, not only in his own life, but um, in, in just kind of because he was a, a, a leader. Um, and so sometimes in leadership, uh, you kind of feel isolated. But also, he was isolated because, um, like when he was writing the book here, or his letter to the Philippians, he was uh, chained to a Roman soldier. He had been arrested for sharing the gospel. And there were several times where he was under house arrest or in, in prison. And this is one of those times where he's writing to uh, these Christians. And then this letter would, of course, get sent around to the other churches and, and other cities. But he's writing to them. And what's interesting about this letter is that he's, he's very thankful. Um, he's, he's rejoicing. Uh, and one of the ways people explain this letter is that it's a letter of joy. Uh, he seems like he's, he's thankful, and he's joyful, and he's um, confident in spite of the fact that he's chained to a Roman guard under house arrest at this time. And so as you're looking through this, and, and as we go through this um, in the next several weeks, uh, today we're going to look at chapter 1, and there's three things in chapter 1 that I think help us understand why he could have such confidence. And the first one was that he, he knew who he was, he knew what God was doing, and he knew why he was living. 
So we're going to look at those three things. Who we are as Christians. What is it that God's doing in our lives in the midst of uncertainty? And why is it that we live? So we want to look at those three things today as we look at chapter 1 of Philippians. And hopefully you're there. Uh, So let me just go ahead and read. Uh, We're just going to hit the first two verses uh, for our first point, which a lot of times we um, kind of breeze right through the the greeting portion of the letter, but in the greeting is our first point, and I think it's important for us to grab hold of. So uh, verses 1 and 2, to start out. So Paul and Timothy, so Timothy's alongside Paul here, and they're both writing this letter. Uh, Bond servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing we see here is that Paul knew who he was. And if we want to have confidence during these times of uncertainty, whether it's the one we're going through now or whatever we might face moving forward, if we want to have confidence, confidence in God, we have to understand who we are. And to me, this, if we get this down, I think 95% of our anxiety and fear will go away because of knowing who we are. Now, Paul says that uh, it's from Paul and Timothy who are bondservants of Jesus Christ. So who we are, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we're bondservants of Jesus Christ. We're not employees of Jesus Christ. As an employee, uh, the company pays us, right? So we go to work for 8, 10, 12 hours, whatever our schedule is, and we get paid to work. But when we get home, the company that has no say, our bosses have no say in in what we do, how we spend our money, um, the kind of houses we live in, or the the cars that we drive, or or what we do with our free time. They're not necessarily, um, they don't even care about that kind of stuff. They just want us to take care of our business when we're there at work. But to be a bondservant of Christ, in the first century, what a bondservant was is, is another word for that is slave. And though it's a little bit different than what our uh, country has gone through in the past with our slavery. In the first century, uh, slavery wasn't so much based on race. It was really people who were indentured servants. In other words, people who uh, were paying off a debt to somebody. Some people voluntarily gave themselves into servanthood uh, because they didn't want to go out and look for a job. They thought, well, I'll just stay with this particular guy. He pays me well. Um, and they, of course, they, they got a little bit of a, payment. Uh, and then some others were, of course, um, you know, Rome would go out, defeat a country, and they would take some of their prisoners of war and bring them back and make them slaves as well. So that wasn't a really good deal. But the point is that a lot of these guys, um, people that were involved as bond servants or slaves or servants, uh, were well-educated. They were doctors. They were teachers. Uh, they were the ones who were basically running uh, the business for the owner. And we as Christians, Paul calls himself a bondservant of Christ. And we as Christians are bondservants of Christ. Well, where did that come about? How did that uh, come to be that we'd be bondservants of Christ? Well, it happened at salvation. And according to Romans chapter 6, Paul wrote, writes this to the, to the church in Rome. It says, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. 
And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So when we placed our faith in Christ, um, we, we voluntarily gave ourselves to him, and his death on the cross paid our price, and he freed us through his death from slavery to sin and slavery to hell. But it didn't free us to go do whatever we wanted to do. It freed us so that we would become slaves of Christ, slaves of righteousness, that we would do life God's way. In fact, Paul talks about in Ephesians the fact that we are God's possessions. Um, Peter talks about in 1 Peter that we are the possession of God. So we are God's possession. We are his servants. In fact, Matthew 24, Jesus uses a parable to kind of explain this and basically says this, that um, the master in the parable, who is God, gives us everything we have. And the purpose for that is for us to use it to build up the boss's uh, business, or in this case, to build up God's kingdom. So everything God has given us is not ours, it's God's, and we manage it. We're stewards in that sense. And we manage what he's given us, not to build up our kingdom, but to build up his kingdom, to, to impact people for Christ. So, so God's not our servant. See, I think a lot of times, and the reason why Christians get worked up during these times of uncertainty is because we, we have, it's, it's subtle, but we have this tendency to, to switch things around. And we, we start doing life our way, um, and we may even spiritualize it and everything, but we're doing life our way, and we see God as our servant. And we're saying, God, I need a, I need a new car. I want this one, so provide it for me. And I want this kind of house. Provide it for me. I want this job. Provide it for me. Uh, but that's not what life is. Life is us getting from God what he gives us for us to use it for his sake, for his kingdom. And so Paul's point here with this one, first point is, like Paul, we can be confident in the face of uncertainty, knowing that God is 100% committed to meeting our needs as we make sure that we're building his kingdom. So in times of uncertainty, if we're focused on doing life God's way, to, to build his kingdom, to impact people for Christ, we can be certain and confident that God's going to meet our needs because he's the master, we're the slave, and he's a good master and so he's going to make sure we have what we need to accomplish his work. Well, another reason Paul has confidence in his time of uncertainty is because he knew what God was doing in his life. And we get that from verses 3 through 18. So let me read those for you really quickly. He says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Now remember, Paul's sitting uh, handcuffed to a, a Roman soldier at this time, can't go anywhere. And he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment, which he's currently in, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. In other words, they're involved with him. They're actively involved in sharing the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may still abound, or abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent 
in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Well, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and this I rejoice. So Paul has this understanding of what God is doing in his life. And for us, for us to have confidence during uncertain times is to understand what God's doing in our lives. So what is it that he's doing? Well, we see it in verse 6. He says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. That word uh, perfect means to complete. So what God is doing, as we place our faith in Christ, over and above what God is trying to do is he's trying to accomplish a good work in us. Now, what is that good work? Well, it's being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. In other words, God's using our circumstances, the good ones and the bad ones, in order to form us or to conform us into the image of Christ, to think and respond like he does. You might remember in our series back in the fall in Romans 8, we read this, uh, these couple of verses. It says this, We know that God causes all things to work together for good. So the the bad circumstances that we would look at and say it's a bad circumstance, the good circumstances, whatever they are, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, so there's one condition, and to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, what's his purpose? Verse 29, for those who he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. So what God's attempting to do, what God wants to do once we place our faith in Christ and we become bondservants of Christ, he wants to conform us to the image of Christ, to make us look like, to think like, to act like, to respond like Jesus Christ. Now, so how did Jesus Christ live on this earth? Well, if you've been part of Grace Point for any length of time, you've heard me summarize Jesus' life this way. That Jesus came to this earth to glorify God, in other words, to, to make him look good to others, to, to, um, to tell others about who he is and, and what kind of great God he is. So he came to glorify God through an obedient life, which ended up going to the cross, in order to draw people to him for salvation to help them grow in their relationship with God. So for us, if, if we're then to be conformed to the image of Christ, then our lives would be doing the same thing. So in the times of uncertainty, in the times of frustration and, and unsure of what's going on in our lives, God's using those situations in our lives so that we'll be drawn to him so that then we can live lives that glorify God through obedient lives, in other words, doing life God's way, in order to draw people to him for salvation and help them grow in their relationship with him and grow in their understanding of who he is. And so that's that's what God's doing in our lives. Now, how do we know that's happening in our lives? 
How do we know that through these circumstances we're actually being conformed to the image of Christ? What Paul talks about uh, in verses 9 through 11 first is the fact that he's praying that their love would abound still more and more. So, Jesus loves us, right? Agape love. He has a sacrificial love for us where he sacrificed himself on the cross in order for us to have our sins forgiven and for us to be able to have a relationship with God and go to heaven one day. So Paul's saying, one of the ways that you know you're becoming more like Christ and what he actually prays for on behalf of the Philippian Christians is that they would love even more than they're already doing. So they're already good at it. They're, they're loving well. They're being sacrificial. They're, they're giving financially. They're giving food. And they're helping out people. And, and they're loving people. They're, they're putting up with frustrating people. They're comforting people who are hurting but he's saying, I want, I'm praying that your love would abound more and more. Uh, he says that in real knowledge and all discernment. Paul constantly talks about this uh, idea of real knowledge and discernment. What's he talking about there? He wants us to know, and he personally wants to know, and he wants us to know what it means to truly know Jesus Christ. That word knowledge there is epigenosis, and it has this idea of um, personal experiential knowledge. And discernment has this idea of making right choices. And so he, he wants us to grow in our love for other people, to sacrifice for other people, to encourage other people, because in doing that, we'll know better who Jesus is. Later on in chapter 3, Paul talks about the fact that he wants the fellowship and the sufferings of Christ. He wants to know Christ that well, so that as he's going through difficult times, he'll understand who Jesus is. And so he's, he's praying that we would grow in our love for others, so that we will understand who Jesus is. Then he says that, so that you may approve the things that are excellent. <clears throat> so, how we love others is connected to decisions that we make, and vice versa. So, what's he talking about there? Well, the way that I was kind of envisioning this is this way. <clears throat> if you're driving down the road, you, you, you don't look right in front of you, you look down the road, kind of this big overall general view of what's ahead of you. And as you're driving your car, and you're doing that, you see all the potholes. You see the other traffic. You see the pedestrians that are running across the street. And you know exactly where you need to turn. So you're able to navigate traffic. You're able to navigate away from the, the, the potholes and the danger signs. And you're able to make the right turns and get to where you need to go, your destination. Well, it's the same thing for us. If we have this general understanding that as we go out into the world, that we need to love people sacrificially like Christ did, then we're going to make the right decisions. We're going to be able to navigate around different people and help different people and encourage different people. We're going to make the right choices in our lives as it relates to other people, and we're going to get to the destination that God has for us, which is to become more like Jesus Christ. And, and then he goes on and says that this will, this will show us to be sincere. In other words, that we're claiming to be Christians and our lives are showing it. In other words, the opposite would be hypocrites. So a person who says, I'm a Christian, but doesn't love, is a hypocrite. But this will allow us to be sincere and blameless, he says, <clears throat> until the day of Christ. So it's going to allow us to be confident in who we are as followers of Christ. And we'll be confident in the fact that we are a follower of Jesus Christ. The second thing, second way we know if we're being conformed to the image of Christ 
has to do with the gospel and, and sharing the gospel. <clears throat> in verse 5, in verse 7, and then 12 through 18, that's the only thing Paul's talking about. He's saying, hey, I know that God's at work in you to do this good work, to, to conform you to the image of Christ. The reason why I know that is because you are actively involved in getting the gospel out. Paul's sitting chained to a Roman soldier under house arrest. He can't go anywhere. And, and they're showing him that, hey, we're followers of Christ. We're bond servants just like you are because we're showing and getting the gospel out to people. And it's interesting because Paul, Paul doesn't see his circumstances as um, something that's keeping him from accomplishing the mission that God's given him of sharing the gospel. In fact, it, as we read, read there, that he's trained, chained to a Roman soldier. Evidently, they have different shifts, and so a Roman soldier would leave. Paul's shared the gospel with them, so that's gone into the Praetorian Guard. The Praetorian Guard was Caesar's bodyguards. And it got, the gospel got into Caesar's household. So Paul could have looked at his situation and said, this is terrible, and I can't believe that God's not letting me get out and about and, and impact people for Christ. But he didn't do that. He, he saw his circumstances as just a different way that the gospel was going to get out because he was all about sharing the gospel, just like Jesus Christ was all about, obviously, sharing the gospel. That also motivated the Philippians because they're basically saying, okay, listen, the, the professional can't be out and about doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, a lot of times I think Christians, they, they rely on the professionals, the, the pastors, to do the, the gospel presentation on Sunday morning. But these guys knew Paul couldn't do it. And they knew that God was wanting to conform them into the image of Christ. And so they were motivated, because of Paul's circumstances, to get out and do what God wanted them to do, and that is to share the gospel. And so the point for this is if we want to have confidence in God during times of uncertainty, we need to understand that God's using those difficult times to conform us into the image of Christ, to do this good work in our lives. And we'll know that we're growing as we are more loving and more caring for people and, and willing to share the gospel with them. Paul finishes up, finishes up the beginning here of this letter by showing us that, that the, his confidence during times of uncertainty came because he, he knew why he, why he lived on this earth. So let's look at verses 19 through 27. <clears throat> it says this, Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that it will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to, if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. In other words, he'd be able to live and be able to help the Philippians and other people uh, grow in their faith and, and share the gospel with other people. So it would be fruitful labor. He'd be able to see a lot of things happen. And I don't know which one to choose. For I'm hard-pressed from both directions. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, that is very much better. I mean, he'd get to go to heaven. That would be awesome. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And so Paul was willing to sacrifice his opportunity to go to heaven to share time with them. Because Paul's sitting here waiting. It wasn't just sitting 
you know, hanging out. He was waiting to hear whether he was going to be killed or not for sharing the gospel. Verse 25, so convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with, the, with you all for your progress in joining the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Only, so now he shifts his focus off of him to, to the Philippian Christians, and he says this, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I don't know if you notice how many times he uses the word gospel here, but it's all about the gospel. And in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to, be, to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. So Paul's saying, listen, <clears throat> another reason why I'm confident in God during my times of uncertainty is because I know why I live. I, I know why I exist on this earth. Paul knew that, that he couldn't lose. Whether he lived or whether he died, it was all about Christ. If he ends up dying, he gets to go hang out with, with Christ for eternity. If he lived, it was still about Christ. He was just going to help other people know who he was and help them grow in their faith. He was in a a no-lose situation. And so Paul's challenging the Philippian believers, and he's challenging us today, God's challenging us through Paul's writing, that we're to live worthy of the gospel of Christ. What does that mean? Simply this, to live like Christ would live. To live loving people, sacrificing for people, and sharing the gospel with them. That's Paul's focus. That was Jesus' focus when he was on earth. That's Paul's focus while he was on earth. And that's what our focus is to be while we're on earth. um, Paul says here that our living this out um, is that we should be in no way alarmed by our opponents which is a sign of destruction for them. In other words, what he's saying is, when we live lives this way, it shows other people what a Christian looks like, what, who God is, and will hopefully get them to understand, oh man, I, I am not right with God, and I need to have that relationship with Him. And he says there's also a, a sign for us that we are saved. It's just kind of a confidence thing for us, that if we're growing in our, our love for others and we're sharing the gospel, it's just part of this confidence building. It doesn't ensure our salvation, but it gives us a, our, a confidence for ourselves that, yeah, we're, we're living for God. We're a we're follower of Christ. But that these are from God. These are gifts from God. We were granted to have salvation. It was a gift that God has given us. And then he says that it's also granted that we suffer for his sake. In other words, these times of uncertainty that we face, and the times of uncertainty in the future, the times of difficulties that we go through, the, the times where we live out our lives and, and people um, you know, push back against what we're saying or, or how we're responding to them, those, are been, those have been granted to us by God. It's, it's a gift from God. How could that be a gift? Well, it kind of goes all the way back to the beginning. It, it shows that we can be, uh, that we are a bondservant and we can know that God is going to provide for us. He's 100% committed 
to making sure we have what we need in order to face those difficult times. When we do that, then he's 100% committed to our spiritual growth, so then we begin to become more like Christ. We act more like Christ, we think more like Christ, we respond more like Christ, and we do that as we love others, and we share with them the gospel. It just it, it kind of a, goes full circle. So Paul's saying, if we want to live with confidence during uncertain times, we need to be more concerned about Jesus' reputation and message than our own. We need to be, realize that we are here for Christ's sake. And whether we live, it's about Christ. Whether we die, it's about Christ. We're, we're in a no-lose situation if we live our lives in a way that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. So, what are some of the takeaways that we can get, gain from this? We like to do a takeaway or some takeaways every week. Uh, things that we can apply to our lives from what we've been talking about. Well, the first one is this. Confidence in God comes when we know who we are. If you've placed your faith in Christ, God says you're His possession. You are His bondservant. And as bondservants of Christ, he's 100% committed to making sure we have what we need to build his kingdom. And I think what Christians, I've said this earlier, I think where Christians get kind of messed up is we, we begin to build our own lives, we spiritualize it, and think, yeah, we've, we've got this, this is what God wants me to do. But then when our needs aren't being met, we're unwilling to back up and say, okay, wait a second, my needs aren't being met here, is this really what God wants for my life? Is this really what he wants me doing in my life? Is this really the job he wants or the house that he wants me to have or the car that he wants me to have or, or whatever the issue, excuse me, whatever the issue might be? Secondly, confidence in God comes when we know what God is doing. God's 100% committed to making sure that we look like and act like Jesus Christ. And so as we go through difficult times and, and as you guys are kind of thinking about what life's going to be on, like beyond this virus and, and this thing that we have going on before us. Are we truly desiring for God to use the difficult times in our lives, the good times in our lives, to conform us to the image of Christ? We can be confident that God wants to do that. and So we don't have to fear those times. We don't have to worry during those times. We just need to allow God to be the one kind of pulling at us and pressing against us and, and causing us and forming us into who Jesus Christ is. And then lastly, if we want to have confidence in God during times of uncertainty, we need to know why we live. We need to be 100% committed to do life God's way. He's 100% committed to meet our needs. He's 100% committed to conform us to the image of Christ. Now we need to be 100% committed to doing life God's way and experience confidence, and the certainty that he offers us during times of uncertainty. I, I hope that during this week, again, we kind of raced through that, but I hope during this week you spend time in chapter 1 of Philippians, and reading throughout Philippians, because we're going to spend the next three or four weeks looking through it. Spend time, read through it, and ask God to give you a good understanding of what he wants to do in and through you as we move into this new phase of our lives after this coronavirus situation that we've had. I'm glad you tuned in today. I hope it was encouraging for you. I want to encourage you again. Uh, our Fremont campus 
has a live stream going on at 9 and at 10.30 a.m. I encourage you to check them out. Uh, it's at facebook.com backslash Ohio Grace uh, or look for it on YouTube at Ohio Grace. And they got the music, the message, the whole, whole thing. And again, great uh, having you here today. Appreciate you checking in and look forward to seeing you next week. We'll see you. Thanks.